0: Um. <laughs> anyone have a good vape joke they want to tell right now?
1: Uh. Knock knock. Who's, Who's there? there? <laughs> it's a vape. It's a vape who? Um. It's it's a vape and it's at your door.
2: Oh. Oh. Shit.
0: Nice. I wish. I wish my vapes are broken. In Canada, we have government supplied vapes, and uh, my government supplied vape was broken.
1: Please don't put this in the man. <laughs> C'est tellement nouvelle, cette chanson française, qu'il faut que je lis toutes les paroles parce qu'elle vient de la fête il y a trois jours, elle a seulement trois jours. Et, et c'est pour ça que je les paroles ici. Mais je vous promets que depuis aujourd'hui, elle va être très populaire en France. Vous voyez. Je pense. La mer Qu'on voit danser
0: Uh, okay Okay. Um, yeah let's actually
1: do the podcast
0: (laughs) no no i refuse okay hello and welcome to episode two of tinker taylor podcast spy my name is tyler i'm here with my co hosts max hello and emma hi and we are going to be discussing uh chapters 13 through to the end of the spy who came in from the cold a uh, couple things off the top we want to discuss. First of all, Mia culpa. I am from ca- Canada and in Canada we pronounce it uh, field f- fielder instead of feedler, which uh, is the right way to say it. Um, so I apologize for pronouncing it wrong. We also you're have just, a controversy you're
2: just supportive of your uh, fellow countryman, Nathan Fielder. Yeah,
0: that's right. He's, he's a Canadian, so I'm representing. Um, and, and also with the, there's some controversy around how Lamas is pronounced. I think Max and I go with Lamas. Emma, what's your version?
1: Uh, I think I was saying uh, Lamas.
0: You were saying Lamas. and then uh, there's a clip which you'll hear now.
1: I'm often asked where Alec Lemus came from.
0: Where John LeCrae himself pronounces it Lemus. so yeah. I think he's obviously wrong.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't, can I don't say? think he
0: knows how, how to say that guy's name. So uh, I think we we're all, all have just going yeah, we're all just living our own truths, and we're all saying it the way we want to say it. So uh, I will pronounce Fiedler correctly, but I refuse to pronounce Le- Lamas as Lemus. Um, okay, so everyone good. Let's uh, let's get into it. So we are starting on uh, Chapter 13, like I said. The chapter is Pins or Paperclips, and um, we are uh, still in the, I guess, interrogation um interrogation scene uh so we're still in eastern berlin we're still um fiedler still has lamas and uh yeah what's going on here
1: uh where we just left off um fiedler and lamus were arguing about whether a um a whether peter gillen was running a uh could have been running an agent for rolling stone that uh Lamus wouldn't have known about. And um, as we've seen now, you know, Lamus was uh, just supposed to be creating doubt around this. Uh, He doesn't actually believe it, but he's starting to question whether the story might be true as Fiedler keeps pointing out uh, flaws and gaps in his logic and, you know, strange coincidences. And so that's, that's where he left off is um, this sort of revelatory conversation where Fiedler is dropping some truth bombs and Lamest is struggling with it.
0: Uh, Someone in the notes here has a great note which is that Fiedler is made to sound like Matt Brunig, which I, I think that's a positive. I think that's good.
1: I, like, <laughs> for, yeah, or, I like the, yeah I like the I like the look line about it where it's uh, he says that Fiedler per- possesses that persistent inquisitiveness which for journalists and lawyers is an end in itself.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the most <laughs> mad for description of all time for sure. um in, inquisitive for its own sake.
1: Uh, yeah, so the, so they start discussing philosophy and um Tyler, I see you had some notes about that.
0: yeah, there's a couple there's a couple really good uh, I don't know, there's a couple good back and forth between them on this, and there's a couple good quotes. One of them, uh-huh, this is Lamas, where he says we're not Marxists, we're we're nothing, just people which is so funny and it's it's such a classic uh classic centrist move I guess of today but of that time too classic british thing to be like we're we're not on uh, you know any specific side here we're just trying to do the right thing
1: yeah uh, and good. you know adherence to the status quo and the lack yeah. you know consistent lack of ideology is itself an ideology
2: yeah we're yeah, we're well, here uh, for freedom and beans on toast that's all we stand for <laughs> and i'm all out of beans
0: on toast Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's that classic thing where it's like, no, you have ideology on the left, and you have ideology on the right, but we do not have ideology where I'm sitting.
2: Um, which is obviously it's like it's gauche to have opinions. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I think he that's one of his big struggles throughout the book is just like, you know, he's trying not to, he's trying to just like have a straight face and not have any ideas or thoughts and. He keeps getting <laughs> pulled into like having to take a stand, basically. No thoughts. Yeah,
1: I, I think he sees himself more as a sort of useful tool for the British government who yeah. doesn't, you know, a, a tool doesn't think about, you know, the, the guy handling it, like, or, you know, what he, it's being handled for. That he's just more of a useful instrument who doesn't really reflect a specific ideology. But yeah. um, Fiedler is just kind of taking that apart through this sort of like, Socratic method of questioning being like, okay, well, what? You, there's no way you can't believe in anything. What? What are you doing if you don't believe in anything? You're clearly doing something. If, if they don't know what they want, how can they be so certain they're right?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. Somebody, This is actually maybe this chapter was one of my favorite in terms of just the amount of good quotes in it. Um, there's a good quote uh, from Fiedler as well, where he says, it, it, it is not fashionable to quote Stalin, which is, yeah. which is oh, so man. great and, and hits his personality so well too. Um, and, and there's some really interesting parts where Fiedler kind of contrasts Christian society and communism and talks about the individual versus the group. Um, and that, that kind of theme comes up a lot where, uh, you know, Fiedler's kind of point is that, well, in, in our society, in our ideology, um, we understand that the individual is less important than the group. Um, and we act that way, but you do this exact same thing, but you don't admit that that's true.
2: Yeah. And that's definitely true, but I'm not, I don't know if this is, it seems a weird way to put it. And I don't know if it's just to his, like Fiedler trying to get it. Uh, Lamas, where he's like he said it's a he doesn't say like western and so, he says he says christian specifically yeah. which i mean if you think about christianity like as a whole is pretty like group oriented versus individualist it's it's much less um even though fiedler i i guess he's probably just more trying to kind of draw a line between like atheism and you know yeah the, god-fearing west um than actual kind of like what christian teaching would be
1: i i think he brings up the christianity specifically because um he's supposed to be painted as you know a real hardline like true believer marxist and so he's you know he's insisting on the superiority of like the, the secular state and he's yeah. like you know what is your adherence to christianity meet anything if you are you know acting in the same way as we are but you know you're saying you have this strong belief that pulls you in this other direction
2: yeah and, and he has this he, he has this uh you know faith in atheism communism and then you know in the end his religion ends up biting him in the ass basically which um you know germany i guess <laughs> <laughs> germany what are you gonna do
0: it's uh uh, forget it, Jake. It's Germantown. Um, so Fiedler also does make a note uh, or kind of makes it obvious at this point or or brings it up that he believes that uh, Rolling Stone was an agent working against the GDR. Um, so, yeah. So so this was essentially like stage one of the interrogation. And what uh, Fiedler kind of tells him is that Lamas basically needs to be kept on ice in case they suddenly t- need to know about another great phrase, the pins and paperclips. Which is kind of Fiedler's way of saying we kind of get the broad strokes of your story. We know the key dates, times, all this kind of stuff. But while while we're doing our investigation, we need you to stay here in case it turns out that there's some small detail that you and I might not have thought is important to bring up and discuss, but might be you know key to um, uh, cracking this case for them.
2: Yeah, I, I particularly like this chapter too because they, I mean, you kind of see them start to become friends in a way it's like very i don't know stockholm syndrome or whatnot (laughs) i mean he volunteered but it's like they're you know they they seem to like each other which i don't think i mean i don't think we know enough about fiedler but based on everything we know about lamas i don't think he would have expected that at all
1: well i think we've seen from uh lamus that he he doesn't have a particular issue with communism you know he's sleeping with a communist um Mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily care so much about it so far as like he views it as an opposing ideology but I think uh he respects Fiedler because he views him as like uh almost a, a colleague of sorts where it's like we're both professionals doing this job and uh I wanted to say that I find the last page of this chapter just uh really great. I think what I think John lecarry always um wrote really particularly well about uh solitude and loneliness um One of my favorite lines uh that he ever wrote is from the Honorable Schoolboy where he mentions the um the pardonable uh vanity of lonely people is that they assume they have no counterparts <laughs> um And so he talks about the loneliness of being a secret agent and how Lamus just ends up playing this role and how it exaggerates his characteristics and makes him both more himself and less like himself as he plays a role. And I just wanted to highlight that because, um, you know, I read a lot of thrillers. I read a lot of spy fiction, things like that. But I I read very few books that have this sort of complexity of character and this sort of nuance in the prose. And that's why we keep coming back.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Um, and then there, there's a great kind of part at the end where uh, Fiedler says that Fiedler, God, am I? No, wait, now right. I, I'm now my head right. is so screwed up. No, that I, right. I'm so, so Fiedler, <laughs> Fiedler, damn it. Um, so Fiedler tells Lamas that he's going to look out for him and tells him, I give you my word as a German, which is kind of funny because oh, why, why, why at that point is German the one he chose to go with? I yeah.
2: And like thing. what, 20 years before he was very much not, a german um yeah exactly uh, fled the country for for well it's reason. like
1: it's like what what would you trust his uh, appeal to on that part when yeah, you say exactly. i give yeah, my yeah. word as a as a professional liar i give you my <laughs> yeah. word
2: yeah yeah i give you my word as a spy i mean I, I think Lamas might have like i think this is the first person on the other side that Lamas respect like he's the first one who's at lamass's level as like a spy of like you know of of intellect or just skill um yeah i think it's like really the first person that lamas respects who he's had to deal with on the german side yeah i think it's, it's one of those things where you know in any kind of war once the
0: the, the true soldiers are kind of together and peling around they find much more in common than uh, than they maybe like to believe when they're firing at each mm-hmm. other and then the last kind of part of the chapter is that lamas thinks that fiedler might actually be rolling stone and he says he hopes the god he is so he might actually get out of this because you know he's he's kind of betting or at this point it's not even that he's betting he's basically fully relying on fiedler to get him out of this situation and i mean vice versa i think yeah you know yeah yeah as we see like obviously um they're both very reliant on each other uh so so we get into chapter 14 which is letter to a client um so Fiedler, you know, there was this big discussion about the banks that um, Lamas was depositing money at, uh, at as part of the Rolling Stone operation. And Fiedler brings some letters uh, that are uh, addressed to the banks for Lamas to sign. And they're basically trying to find out um, what information they can get from these banks and find out if they can um, narrow down a little bit more when the money was withdrawn Um things like that. So they can kind of narrow down who, you know, within their organization, with within the ABTALUNG, was potentially, uh, Rolling Stone and maybe, uh, withdrawing this money.
1: Yeah. And they also do this as a sort of uh, way to keep, uh, Lamas, uh, uh, on ice where they say they're going to yep. keep him around till the banks get back and basically confirm his story and give them a little more information. And in the meantime, they're going to keep, uh, He's like, "Yeah, we're going to hang out, we're going to relax and we're going to talk, but I also want you to tell me every detail about London that you can. Yeah. Anything you remember."
2: I mean, they, I think the other weird thing about this chapter is like from from 2020, it's definitely the most anachronistic chapter like oh, I you have to write a letter yeah. to the bank and wait weeks so they can tell you how much money is in the in, in the uh, in the chap in the in the account. And then they just respond to you like there's no like someone just wrote this letter and they're like, oh, OK, we're going to like w- we're going to respond. And, and no one thinks that's weird that, you know, there's no, no like password. Or...
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. And, and but there's a big part of that
0: where like because he he was under a, a forged identity, obviously, when yeah. he was making the deposits. So he has to like practice his signature a bunch to make sure he's like got it right again.
2: This is like I mean, this is another kind of glimpse at how good he is as a spy is that he remembers these different identities and then the specific signature he's able to, I mean, I can't, I don't think I can make my own signature the same, uh, (laughs) you know, sign to sign. So, yeah. Well, we don't have the practice that they had back then, I guess. That's true. So, so
0: Fiedler then uh, brings up Liz in the conversation and Lamas kind of snaps again. And is like, I'm not going to say another word if she's involved. And and I think at this point too, there's this, (laughs) I think there has to be this understanding within Lamas where where he, he realized how badly he fucked up by getting her involved because even though he like tried his best to kind of keep her out of it, every single person he talks to uh, seemingly is
2: bringing up Liz. So,
0: you know, bad times. I think this is
2: really where the book, I I, I briefly brought it up in the last episode, but where it really starts mirroring each other is like seeing, you know, he snaps at control and now he snaps at Fiedler for bringing up Liz. And there's just, you keep seeing things that kind of repeat themselves um, that, that JLC keeps bringing back, which, uh, you know, you particularly pick up on when you're reading it again, which I definitely, you know, just trying to get through the first time would not have picked up on.
1: They do a really neat job of pulling in uh, the events from uh, call for the dead. Which was the yes. yeah. George Smiley book that uh, predated this book that uh, involves Mont as a character, and it's basically it covers a few years before when he escaped mm-hmm. from England, and so um, it's it, it's not necessary to read it for this book at all. And They basically recount it very casually in conversation, but not in like a NPC like exposition way. <laughs> it's just like um, um, because it's still a, a interesting conversation where they. Um with the, where they're talking about what happened with Mont, basically he was in England, he um he killed a couple of people, um Smiley caught him, uh but then Mont managed to uh escape and uh Fiedler has this sort of moment where he's like, Wait, that's <laughs> that's kind of weird that he escaped so easily. <laughs> so yeah, little. why did he
0: escape? And Gwillem kind of uh also um tells Lamas that basically there was no big search for a month um, after they lost him. And, and that, you know, if you just think about that, like you've got this East German operative in London uh, that killed people. If that, if that was the case, like there would have been like the biggest manhunt ever to find this guy, but there was like no big search to find him, which is obviously very surprising.
1: Yeah. So uh, Lamus, you know, I was pointing that out cause he's still trying to lay this sort of trap vermont and be like yeah isn't that kind of suspicious but then even you know for the reader you're also like wait that is really weird, yeah, <laughs> weird. um and this is this is where you start to question things along with lemus where you're yeah. like wait, well why didn't they try to get him
2: like who are uh, they trying to protect <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and then there's a there's a scene where um fiedler then starts asking him about carl and they're kind of talking about carl and uh, control and controls relationship to Carl. And Lamas was basically like, look, Control wasn't involved with uh, Carl at all. I didn't want him to get involved because he was providing me all this great uh, information. And the way, you know, all these intelligence networks work is as soon as there's like a great source of information, the people at the top want to get directly involved. Um, but essentially Control comes to Berlin at some point to kind of have a celebratory dinner and drinks with Lamas and Carl. And Control asks... Um, Lamas for some time alone with Carl. And uh, so Lamas kind of uh, fucks off to the liquor store or wherever he goes. I can't remember.
2: Um, he goes to Dijon. Uh, he, he just goes to Dijon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. J- DeJonk's to get fucked Yangs, up. Probably and, the Yangs, um, and, uh, and comes back. And obviously, that's, you know, that is kind of suspicious in some way because Lamas wasn't there to hear what they were talking about um
1: yeah and-, and then and then afterwards Le- lamus was like um was like, yeah and then you know carl always acting like he held was holding something over me but i think he was just being cheeky <laughs> <That's> <laughs> another one of those things where like you know the reader is observing more than yeah. is. <laughs> so. um
0: and, and this is actually the part too where fiedler actually says openly that he's beginning to like uh, Lamas and um, that that's, you know, you could kind of, you can kind of feel it building this whole time, but this is when I think it's kind of finally established that they are like, they do respect each other and they're, they're friends with each other. Um, They don't, they like, they like, like each other at this point. (laughs) They're
2: going to, they're going to get one of those uh, heart necklaces that breaks in half (laughs) and give each other a half.
1: But yeah, they basically, they spend the next week like hanging out together, waiting for these letters to come back from the bank. And then um, uh, Fiedler starts saying, you know, he's he's like a bit concerned. He's a bit uh, worried for Lamas um, because he starts talking about Munt. And this is really just, I mean, this passage is kind of frightening. <laughs> where um, yeah. He talks about their process of interrogation where Munt catches people and basically tortures them and then Fiedler does the interrogations, but that um, they have this horrible you know, process where uh, Munt kills people too soon um, <laughs> because he says that there was a law that thistles must be cut down before they flower. And I think another is great. Very I mean,
2: crazy. I think this is just another, this is an example of how good Le Carre is as a writer because he just, if you did this poorly, Munt would just look like, a caricature of like evil Nazi and it, it yeah. I mean, he is an evil Nazi, but it, it, it works. It's, it's, it's compelling. And, you know, he seems like a real person rather than just, uh, yeah. a cartoon you know, or something. Um, yeah. And also that, that, that,
0: um, it, this is again, when like, as a reader, your, your mind starting to like go through possibilities and you're like, well, maybe he's killing these people early and not letting Fiedler interrogate them for a reason. Yes. Um. And, you know, you're trying to piece this together and Lamas, like all this stuff kind of works for both sides right now, <laughs> but the more information we get, the more it kind of starts tilting to one side. And obviously L- Lamas is kind of tilting that way uh, as we go through the story too.
1: Yeah. Because he's meant to create this trap about Mont being a British agent and then, fiendler keeps pointing out things on the other side that actually confirm the story and right. uh so lamus Le- 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 is supposed to play this role you know as this defector He'll be like what are you talking about that's crazy but then it's actually starting to really upset him because he's like he's he says it's not true i've told you again and again they couldn't have done it the circus couldn't have run him against the zone without my knowing You're trying to tell me control was personally directing the deputy head of the Abtalung without the knowledge of the Berlin station. You're mad Fiedler. You're just bloody well off your head.
0: (laughs) Which is like exactly, you know, it's funny because he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. That's the plan. But he is actually I think at this point saying that truthfully too.
2: Or he's like, yeah, no, he's there's no way. Really by this. Yeah. yeah. Or he'd just be like he'd be very upset with himself if it were true. Like he doesn't yeah. want to admit that it could be true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. because
1: then Fiedler points out that hey, well, you know, we got the response from the bank, and um, here's when the <laughs> money was drawn. And it turns out it was during a a two day period where Munt was gone.
0: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we get to chapter 15. God, just I hate this to the chapter. Ball. Yeah, this was maybe. I feel
1: so bad every time. Yeah, I read exactly. I just want to because you just you see her getting drawn into this. Yeah, because yeah. like
2: she 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 comes in very suspicious, and she just you see her, which I've done on things. You just see her like, okay, I'm going to convince myself this is fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. This, yeah, 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 yeah. Like she I she could, comes in with the smart, right.
1: She has her suspicions.
2: Yep. Yeah, they do a good job
0: of making her um, not seem stupid.
2: Mm -hmm, She's clearly mm
0: -hmm. not stupid, but she also is someone who I think um, uh, like believes with her whole heart in the things she's doing. So she like picks up on these things, but it's like, no, no, no. Like they wouldn't do this to me. yeah,
2: yeah, She believes in the party, but I think she is also, she's like kind of desperately lonely. Um, You know, she, her, kind of I mean at least from the view you get of how she describes the people she knows At the, I mean she kind of joins she believes in the party but she kind of joins to meet you know make friends and stuff and doesn't seem like she really likes the people and then she meets Lamas and like they kind she just globs onto him and it's kind of it seems like her only friend and then yeah. he leaves and she's you know I've never been abroad. She just like, it's everything she's wanted all at once. And it seems too good to be true. But since it's so good, she goes through this process of just convincing herself that everything's going to be okay.
1: Yeah. So basically in this chapter, chapter 15, she's got an invitation to go to the, to East Germany on um, what do they call it? Uh, A Cultural exchange. (laughs) Yeah. Cultural exchange. But it's it's put in perfect, you know, um, communist language. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's um, another thing. Like John Lecrae is so good. at Like all, whenever you're reading something that's from, uh, you know, from the party from East East Germany, yeah. from it sounds so spot on. It's great.
1: great. Yeah, and um, and we get a little concerned because the person who uh has has given her this letter is our friend Ash, who yeah. initially handled. Uh, Lamus's defection so um, it's a bit worrisome that he shows up again Um, and then the letter says that uh, she's been chosen because they were She was invited. They were invited to select five branch secretaries with good experience and a good record of stimulating mass action at street level. Um, (laughs) Each selected comrade will spend three weeks attending branch (laughs) discussions, seeing progress in industry and social welfare, and seeing at first hand the evidence of fascist provocation by the West. This is a grand opportunity for our comrades to profit from the experience of a young socialist system. And so, and it's also was- funny because she
0: she she says I can't remember if it's earlier, but how like the thing she hated the most was like the street organizing part of it, and how and they were like,
2: terrible at it. How they would yeah, like yeah, buy- yeah, she
1: Said before that they don't do they don't really do anything. They just kind of sit <laughs> around and like read their pamphlets. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and then they buy the pamphlets themselves so they can say they sold them. <laughs> really. um, I think one thing I picked up on this reading, which I didn't pick up before, is. So, you know, the letters from Ash, and I don't know how many chapters before, but when they say, when we learn Lamas gets burned, they tell him he's been arrested along with Kiever, like that they've they've been picked up. Right. And all of a sudden this letter gets sent, and, y- you know, that must mean, you. Know, it's never made explicit, but it must mean Control knew this was happening, Control and Smiley knew this was happening, and yeah. let it happen, like let him send the letter because um, yeah. it fits mm. into to what they want yeah well i mean ultimately
0: um like uh M- Munt, i suppose is should be in a position where he'd know that a lot of this stuff is going yes. on right yep. yep. so like obviously there's direct communication between like Mont and control and they're kind of watching all the stuff kind of play out on on street level and they're either like okay we're good with this as further furthers our plot or you know if they need to take action and stop things then they would have done so yep
1: and um yeah her her experience of of being in the party is is very funny because she's basically describing it as like yeah we sell newspapers sometimes we buy our own newspapers and claim that we sold them um i don't i don't really do much with it i guess i believe in communism like and um <laughs> You know, it's, it's just very funny, and she's kind of convinces herself that, you know, this is going to be a fun trip to help me take my mind off of what happened with Alec. And um, then she sees Smiley's card, and she's like, oh, you know, it's it's kind of weird that he asked me about my involvement with Alec and whether the party knew about it, but I'm sure it's nothing. And so you as the reader are just like, no, Liz, no, don't, no, Liz. don't go, don't get involved in any of this, like, girl, stop. <laughs> it's this very lighthearted kind of chapter, you know. Like, oh, you know, isn't it kind of weird to be, you know, a like British communist at this time? And, but then, you know, at the same time, you just feel this horrible dread because you're like, oh, God, Liz is going to East Germany. What's yeah. going to happen?
0: It's funny too how the tone of it is kind of like, you know what? Yeah, I could use like a little bit of time away to refresh. Like she's going to like an all all inclusive in Cabo or something, but she's like <laughs> uh, going to like uh uh you know some small place in East Germany. I think Leipzig is where where she ends up going. Um, yeah, it's very funny. Um, yeah, so so that's basically it. we we basically we basically see Liz <clears throat> basically getting pulled into this very directly now i mean obviously smiling are already shown up there and then people have known about her and talked about her but this is her like physically being pulled into it um and the one thing i thought about this chapter that is interesting is i kind of felt like uh, especially after reading this chapter that liz is kind of the le Carre point of view character because she seems to i think uh And I think we talked about before how I think John Lecrae is, is certainly more sympathetic to the left than, uh, you know, I don't think he says anything too explicit, but I think he, he, he's one of those people that can see the moral issues that people on the left are pushing for and agrees with them. And I think he's working through some of that stuff with Liz as the character where he's like, I like the theory. I I like the uh, morality, but a lot of the kind of day to day, um, you know, uh, movement building is kind of sad and isn't working, and and is ultimately unfulfilling. Um, yeah,
1: I think these kind of sketches, and he's has them in a few of his his books. And I think these kind of sketches of what it's like to actually be a, a socialist at the time or a communist at the time, or you know, encounters with socialist communist characters. Um, they always read more like out of fondness than mockery. Yes.
2: Yeah, for totally.
0: sure. But 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 like mocking the things that are deserving of being mocked like some of the office politics the stupidness of it right
1: yeah or like um the scene where he he punches the grocer and then in the like uh people's newspaper whatever <laughs> yeah. they have they're like yeah it's an act of work- proletariat aggression against the <laughs> petty booze yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah so good like
1: I, so, I, I i always thought that was like kind of just a sort of fun like you know poking fun rather than Actual mockery.
0: But I think, you know, the same comments that like we would make about like left organizations that we're yeah. involved with at times, right? That where it's like, you know, everyone's heart's in the right place, but sometimes there's just some very silly things that are done. And uh, that's just the way it goes, I guess, in any uh, political organization. Um, so chapter 16 is called Arrest. And um, this is uh, where shit really starts popping off. Um, so Fiedler and Lamas kind of get, they're on a, a big walk. Um, or maybe they're in a drive. I can't remember. I think they're in a car. Yeah. This um,
2: time I think they're on it. Yeah. Cause he stops by, they stop by that phone and he gets this really worried phone call. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they get out of
0: the car and there's some other people there. And one of them kind of calls for Fiedler. And so he kind of walks off to talk to them. And Lamas is basically senses something's wrong, kind of goes back to the house, realizes that there are other people here uh, kind of, Put, goes into like, uh, like I, the, the geography was a little bit lost on me. Um, like a bunkhouse type thing. And um, turns off all the lights and does a really cool move, which he, uh, he put, he, so he turns off all the lights and then puts a chair in the middle of the room. So he knows the chair is there, but whoever is going to like come in and try and get him doesn't know it's there. So someone obviously does come in trying to find him trips over the chair. Lamas grabs him and uh, like punches him a bunch of times which we find out later actually kills him. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is like the only actual like sort of James Bond-esque yes. moment here. Yeah. And it's, it's It shows the sort of like rough, um, like physical uh, approach that Lamus takes in the book. You know, like that guy is harassing him in prison. So he just jabs him super hard in the stomach and the guy, you know, fucks off and doesn't bother him again. But then here he's like, yeah, I'm gonna trip someone and then hit them a bunch of times until they're incapacitated. <laughs> like there's not a whole lot of style or like um, you know, uh suavity to it. It's just no. like I am going to uh neutralize this threat. Um and he uh unfortunately he uh he is then still has three guys to contend with and uh they hit him in the head with a revolver. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's kind of funny because he he kind of knows as he gets hit like what revolver it is because of the way it feels when it hits him in the head.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he he wondered whether he had been hit with a revolver, the old kind with the swivel on the butt where you fasten the lanyard. So he's he's getting hit in the head with a revolver, and he's like, "Damn, this feels like a revolver."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah. And, and it's funny, too, how he he kind of knows that he's like he's not going to make it out of this situation. uh. So really, that act of like fighting the guard w- was basically just him being like, fuck it. I'm going to hurt someone because I'm so pissed off because he he knew like there was, you know, he's surrounded. There's probably multiple people here. So he's never actually going to like, you know, do a James Bond, like punch the sky, jump out the window and escape. It was always going to be like just a desperate like attempt to get some revenge, I guess.
1: Yeah. So he wakes up in a cell. um. He's in a ton of pain. Uh, his hands and feet are chained together behind his back. Um, and he, he thinks they must have beaten him up while he was unconscious. And God, then brutal. Uh, finally, after several hours, the door opens and this guy comes in. And this is, this is just such a chilling like line to me. Is uh, At last, the door opened and Munt stood there. He knew it was Munt from the eyes. Smiley had told him about them. And that's where <laughs> the reader is like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> Munt's here. Yeah.
0: Months here. Months got the fucked up scary eyes. And then the
1: next chapter is just called Month. Yeah, you're like, here is the Nazi villain who, uh, <laughs> who yeah. it was just, uh, laboriously described to us how he likes to play and torture people and then, <laughs> uh, kill them. Yeah. Uh, and how much he, he hates feels Jewels that they've, also. like, outlived their usefulness. And so. It is not good for our protagonist to end up in his clutches.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's someone you can really hate, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, because he's he's like a yeah. real naz. He's an actual nazbol. He's he was <laughs> yeah. a Nazi yeah. <laughs> and then a communist. Like anyone can hate this dude.
1: I think they yeah, go by yeah. post left now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's he's a Amy Therese, He's an Amy Therese reply guy in 2020. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um so they uh, they untie him and um, then they they beat him up a little more. and um, Munt takes him to a room and they begin their face off. So
0: Yeah, so um, it's kind of interesting because they describe Munt uh And he sounds like exactly the way you would picture him in your mind, which is like, you know, close shaven haircut, blonde, athletic, but like older, but still, like, obviously kind of a attractive man. He, you know, he's not like gnarled and grizzly and old or fat. He's not smiley. He is like, you know, a, a perfectly tooled machine.
1: He's um, a dapper young nationalist. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. He has an undercut and, uh, yeah. He wears a plaid tie, um,
2: or uh, a, what a, a, a polo shirt with uh, yellow stripes <laughs> on it. Yeah, he wears the Fred Perry uh, yellow polo shirt. Um,
0: uh, so so Munt kind of starts talking to him and says that Fiedler is going to stand trial for conspiring to sabotage the security of the people, and Lamas is going to need to actually testify against him as they actually don't have any evidence. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then um he also is gonna stand trial because he managed to kill the guy with his cool karate moves.
0: <laughs> right. He does the karate chop of death and uh he's gotta be punished for that. Um so one of the things that the uh, Munt actually brings up is uh and, and it kind of uh, interestingly, like Munt is very cool and, and like <laughs> slow with this, but it does seem like he's aware that there's a limit on the time of this interrogation so he kind of abruptly starts wanting to know the last time he saw smiley uh and he says he wants to know where he went in london after he lost the tail uh which you know there's that scene earlier where uh lamas is released from prison realizes he's being tailed um and kind of crisscrosses uh, london and ends up going to smiley's house to meet control um and so it's, it's, that's kind of an interesting, interesting callback that like, this is like very crucial because obviously if Munt knows that he went to meet Smiley or went to Smiley's house, then this whole thing is kind of blown and and he's totally done for. Um And then at this point, Lamas basically passes out because he's so like weak yeah. and tired. And he
2: really can't figure out how Munt would know this either
1: Peter yeah out he's or starting doesn't... to get very confused because yeah. mine is in the possession of knowledge that he absolutely shouldn't have
0: yeah and Lamas yeah. is like I lost that tail. uh I think there's a like a couple senses where he's like so sure that he wasn't being followed and and uh, everything that we've come to know about Lamas is like he was such a great agent that mm-hmm. if he truly feels like he wasn't being tailed he probably wasn't being tailed um, yeah so
1: yeah I mean at this point you just start getting confused because yeah, the, along with Lamas so are you're, you're like Okay, how does Munt have possession of this knowledge? What is true? Who is the who is Rolling Stone? What's happening? Um yeah. so the the last line of this chapter is uh, he woke on a hospital bed and standing at the foot of it was Fiedler smoking a cigarette. So Fiedler's <laughs> back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the
1: next chapter is just Fiedler.
0: <laughs> oh shit. Um and, and I guess it's worth noting too, like so the actual plan that you know, just to reiterate that Lamas thinks he's doing. Lamas believes that what he's trying to do is give enough information to Fiedler to accuse, in you know, um, incorrectly, Munt of being a British agent. So Munt will basically be killed. Yes. That's what Lamas thinks he's doing. Um, and what we're obviously starting to unravel is that there seems to be something wrong with that picture. Um, and, and, and Fiedler, in his heart of hearts, truly seems to believe that... Um, that Munt is a British agent, yes. which, uh, which Lamas is like very much sure, at least in the early part of the book. And up until now was not actually the case. I mean, um, he thinks Fiedler is the British agent. Exactly. Yes. And, or hope yeah, he's hoping. He <laughs> hopes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He spent all this time fabricating evidence about Munt being a, an agent. And so he's at the point now where he's like, well, is this evidence working so well that they're all believing it or <laughs> You know, why is Is there a (laughs) being added to this here? Yeah.
0: yeah. So Fiedler, Chapter 18. um, So they are in the hospital and they start chatting. And what Fiedler tells Lamas is that he sent a report based on three years of investigation and then uh, kind of uh, with Lamas's information added to it. He sent that to the Presidium and uh, they ended up arresting Munt like basically right when uh, Lamas, uh like passed out there. Um,
2: and the presidium for it's it's the Politburo basically yeah, if you're familiar right. with the Russians it's the same thing. Southeast, Southeast, Southeast Germany. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um and so what he tells them is that Munt is going to be represented in this trial. And it's important to know that this is kind of a what would you say like a secret trial I guess. This is not Yeah. Like they a call it a, tri-
1: a secret tribunal.
0: Right, anyway, that's right yeah secret tribunal so munt is going to be represented by this guy called cardin who uh he, he he says was at buchenwald concentration camp yeah. so uh, like another just horrible awful person that yeah, is
1: somehow some very uh, bad guys is, is now
2: a communist to just yeah. you know kind of survivor willing to take whatever side is and Is this is also kind of another thing where john le Carre is writing spy novels that aren't really spy i mean they are really spy novels but just aren't normal spy novels you know the first we talked about call of the dead uh, you know it's like a mystery novel and this now it's turning into a courtroom drama where <laughs> we go through this trial for chapters where you know it's it's like a episode of law and order basically for this yeah spy this book.
1: actually made made me think of one of lucari's other works a small town in germany mm-hmm. um which I deals with one. um you know a sort of denazification i would say and like german politics and you know who ends up turning back out from these movements and who is rehabilitated and who isn't Mm and so it's something that lucari has a lot of you know a vested interest in sort of exploring as a writer and um yeah and then and you just you the reader is you know you're you're like oh no okay so fiendler he's got the upper hand now because mine is in this tribunal so um you you start getting a little bit relieved, like okay, um, things are going to get better. Um, Munt has uh, he's been arrested. Uh, he's got this horrible Nazi. Uh, what do they call him lawyer. A, uh, he's they say he looks like a country doctor, small and benevolent. He was at Buchenwald. Um, <laughs> Which so remind you know what it
0: reminds me of is um uh, the God what's the German actor's name who was in um uh, the Tarantino movie
2: oh Christoph Waltz
0: yeah. He he reminded me. That's who I instantly thought of was Christoph Waltz when he was describing Carlos, like small and benevolent. Yeah, small, yeah. unassuming guy, but totally evil. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then, um, you know, he describes in detail the torture that Munt that like Mont beat him up and you know made these anti-Semitic comments and um, you know, attacked him because he's basically an un reconstructed Nazi <laughs> yeah.
2: he's,
1: he's still very much an adherent of that ideology and so um, yeah he says I could understand I'm sure I could if he had done it for the idea for the party if you like or if he had hated me but it wasn't that he hated and Lamus just cuts him off and is like okay man I get it um, we all hate him because lamus is you know as 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 we understand you know lamus is kind of a dick
0: yeah yeah this guy's pouring his heart out being like oh this sl- i'm i'm a jewish man and this nazi was beating the shit out of me calling me a jew and wants to kill me because of this and he's like yeah dude i get it We. he's
2: like i got on. beat up too come on dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're not so, special, man. You know, he's not he's not for. he's not being very you know thoughtful but yeah, he also on, has boss. a head injury so
0: yeah that's right um and then there's an interesting part where uh fiedler kind of mentions offhand that apparently Cardin's going to call a witness and if you're if you're kind of keeping up with the story at this point you're just like oh my god we all know who that's going to be yeah which on my first
2: read i did not pick yeah well that's true sure, oh, like Ooh, the, yeah. i was too dumb to like pick <laughs> up on that
1: something something i found I- interesting though is the there's a sort of motif of um of lamus talking about the car accident that almost happened uh where he was driving and um it's a very powerful image that he returns to several times in this book where he was driving and like just wasn't paying attention for a minute and then um almost like, either directly caused or saw a family um almost saw a family get you know crushed by a truck Yeah. Uh, and so something that Fiedler keeps bringing up is a Stalin quote about, you know, traffic accident versus statistics.
2: Yeah, and yeah. so
1: I, I find that, you know, that just kind of adds to the motif of uh, these sort of decisions of policy that are being likened to these just kind of accidents that you can't prevent. So I just, I just want Which, to Which this out.
2: is also, I, I think, I don't know if, I think knowing Le Carre, he probably did have this in mind when he wrote it. Um, even though it's not mentioned directly in the book was but um there there's a a Mussolini quote where he basically says the same thing uh where he was he was driving they were in his limo um and he's with some like a rockefeller Zion or something just in in the car in the thirties and they hit a child and the limo keeps going and it's he's basically saying the same thing he's like you know we can't stop for one person that's you know that their family might be upset for that but it's nothing Mussolini in sounds
1: game. like a bad guy
2: <laughs> yeah that guy sounds like a prick i hope uh, <laughs> <laughs> i hope something happened to him
0: <laughs> i hope something bad happened to that guy um oh, yeah no it's a good it. point i know i didn't cons- i didn't think about that uh the traffic like the connection between those things but it's kind of funny because that um that's like such an interesting idea to play around with because i think that there's kind of a truth on both sides with that where it's like you know you know if you're kind of being a utilitarian and you're trying to do the best for the most people yeah like sometimes the individuals will be losers but you know your your kind of moral uh, purpose there is to try and do the best for more people uh and then the other side of that is like no you know when you actually consider individual people and individual lives like those are the things that we're actually doing this for is to protect the sanctity of those people and for them to have you know he mentions early in the book kind of these mundane and trivial moments of in their life that kind of build up the, the character and, and tapestry of 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 someone's uh experience and those two ideas i think lecrae um Finds both of them very important and is constantly kind of weighing them against each other. Yep. And that each of them are kind of good in theory, but in practice, each of them
2: can have very ugly results. T- Tyler Tyler's just a big proponent of horseshoe theory.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, it turns out they're uh, the left and the right are actually wow, the same. way to
1: undercut a very trenchant point there, Max. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm just um, doing this for the lulz. I
1: noticed the the first time I I read this book, I highlighted in different colors than the ones that I'm using now. And so something I highlighted uh, in my first read was Fiedler. As he reached the door, he looked back and said, we're all the same, you know, that's the joke. So then yeah. we switch back to oh no Liz. Every every <laughs> no, time Liz,
2: Liz is in this book, it's just like it's yeah. it's just so. I know you're
1: like oh god, <laughs> no, this I can't girl.
2: take it.
0: Yeah. but but you know what? It, it's good. Like I think we brought this up in the last episode, but he really does a good job of making her very sympathetic. Oh yeah. Um, but but not um in like a naive way. You know what I mean? Like she's it's not, not like not, a damsel in distress. Stupid.
1: She's not.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: she's just she's kind of juvenile and, um you know, yeah.
2: I mean, she's like any 20 what two year old, three year old. Yes. Uh, yeah She's like
0: any 22 year old dating a 50 year old uh, secret service. Agent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, but I just I I, I I find some one of the things I find most compelling about Lucaria is the way he's able to inhabit so many different characters like minds. And so, you know, yeah. the way he starts this chapter, she's in this house in Leipzig and says, Liz was happy in Leipzig. Austerity pleased her. It gave her the comfort of sacrifice. So he talks about how she's living in this little house with this family. There's not a whole lot of food, but she's like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm comforted. Being by a, real,
0: a real socialist now.
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm comforted by my austerity in the service of the state. You know, just this sort of sense of pride. Like, oh, I'm practicing my German with the kids. I'm doing yeah. some, you know, party work. We're we're distributing literature, we're meeting with other members, you know. I'm being a good socialist in the worker state. And
0: yeah. um, Yeah, it's kind of this weird like fantasy camp.
1: It's it's all kind of relatable, you know, like oh, you know, I'm so pleased that I'm making these sacrifices and then I'm doing all of this. Yeah. And yeah.
0: And then the, I think the most crushing part of this chapter, which is the part that's crushing for her too, is when she's so excited to go to the big, uh, the big branch meeting and she goes in a real communist country. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. We're in the big leagues now. You know, you're expecting, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people, there, all chanting and and singing the international. They're
2: going to be, uh, they're going to all like be experts in theory and, you know, have really trenchant analysis and discussion. (laughs) And, and then, then
0: seven people are there. <laughs> and there's less than ten people
2: at the meeting, <laughs> uh, which
0: is basically the exact same amount of people they got out at their branch in Bayswater.
1: In yeah, so she's like, "This is just like being in England. Nobody cares about socialism. What the hell?
2: We're <laughs> being yeah. at a DSA meeting in 2020." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
0: yeah, and it's just so gutting because, you know, I think a lot of us have have had those similar moments, oh, right? yeah. especially completely especially politically. Where you're like believe in something so much, and you feel like you're, you know, in the right place doing the right thing, and it just doesn't feel or look like the way you had it played out or drawn up in your mind. Um, so then a man from District uh, shows up, and he's inviting Liz to a meeting. But the way he is kind of talking to her makes it seem pretty clear that she doesn't have a choice whether or not she's going to be attending this meeting. Um, But again, it's very funny, like the way he speaks and and his manner of like, uh, not threatening, but basically being like, this is a meeting that you're like, essentially strongly suggested to come to. Um, Yeah, and he he
1: mentions that it's with the Presidium and so he's, yeah. it's basically like you know you came here to meet with the young Democrats and you're being invited to come sit with some Congress members
2: no it's like yeah. even more it's like you're going to meet Obama in the White House and the overall <laughs> <Office>, basically <laughs> like, what the, like this is not what's supposed to happen and then yeah. he,
1: she's like oh so you know where, where are we going and he's like yeah we're driving to the Polish border and we're going right now
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and again like you you can get uh the way she she's written is it's like she's obviously like this is very fucked up and this doesn't seem right but also like i don't what choice do i have i obviously have to do this not only am i like totally alone in a foreign country that my government is uh very antagonistic with it's not like there's an agency she can go to for help or something you know um yeah. yeah So, so yeah, they leave that night and and head out. It's also and,
1: just uh, a sort of like social thing where she's like, "Well, I can't be rude and say no." <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So it's such a classic kind of British, uh, yes. British thing. Yeah, right? like it
1: would like, it would be like uncouth to to yeah. be like, "No, I I don't know about this I meeting. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know about being ferried in the middle of the night to the the Polish border um, in the
1: <laughs> That's, GDR a, that's a no for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So chapter twenty is the tribunal. And this is honestly, like, really the, you know, we had the kind of uh, karate uh, scene earlier, but this is kind of really the action.
1: Yeah, this is a real drama. Yeah.
0: This is the Jag. This is the episode of Jag that we've been building up to this whole time. So, yeah, the trial begins and uh, Fiedler um states that month's former service in the nordic states provided the cover that he needed to return there and withdraw the money and kind of has his he he basically he basically lays out his his full um case against Munt, and, w- and when he lays it out um you know from the reader's point of view and i think probably from the the uh uh what are they they're not
2: judges i can't remember what they're called. yeah they're i mean I think they're just I, are they members of the presidium i yeah, think, I
1: think yeah be. Uh,
2: but anyway, the, 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 the yeah, pres- they're
1: called prosecutors.
2: Okay,
0: yeah. there you go. The, pro- the prosecutors, like I think, as he lays it out, they're all like, "Oh, like that's pretty, pretty solid." Case. It actually
1: is very persuasive.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you read it, like again, like uh, if you're still in kind of original mode of the plan that Lamas thought he was carrying out at the beginning, this really does sound like we we're doing it. Like we nailed it. They came up. They came to the exact conclusion we wanted them to. Mm-hmm. Everything smiley and control of those bastards they did it
1: so yeah to uh, reiterate the plan that um yeah. basically they're accusing mont of you know he was caught in england and they turned him there and um they let him go basically with the provision that he starts collecting information for the british um as he continues to rise in the aptalung and um then they mentioned that you know um they mentioned that they kept losing uh and this is where you get some information from Fiedler's side where he's like, yeah, we kept losing people. And it's kind of weird.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And that um, I came to mind about my concerns and he didn't do anything about it.
2: Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. And we had a we had a guy who tried to defect to the British and the British were like, Nah we're, we're fine. Which yeah, is like, <laughs> no, wait, why would they turn him around away? Yeah. Unless he already had this information from another source. Yeah.
1: And this is new to the reader. Yeah. Because the reader the reader's only knowledge right now is that um they had Carl's information. It was great. Um,
0: yeah, that that ends up being kind of a pretty crucial piece of information that really seems like the nail in the coffin for a month, which is like, oh God, like all this other kind of stuff, like there's a bit of conjecture. But when you hear that and you're like, Oh, the only reason they wouldn't want this guy is if they already had someone, um, it seems pretty cut and dry.
2: Yeah. And then then Fiedler calls Lamas as a witness.
1: Um, I think it's very funny when they call call on Lemus and they ask him his profession and he kind of like gets all snide and he's like <laughs> assistant librarian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Always a joke with that damn Lemus.
1: And so Fiedler is basically like quick kidding around and says Fiedler angrily intervened. You were formerly employed by British intelligence. Were you not? He snapped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Don't mess up my big moment here.
1: Yeah, so then, um, so then, uh, L- Lamas is like, uh, so Fiedler's like, yeah, tell him, tell him about the conversation, uh, that you had with Peter Gillum about, you know, what he was in charge of and, um, uh, whether, uh, and how Munt was able to get free of England and, you know, how was he able to escape, um, wouldn't the British have just killed him if they had him in their clutches? Um, like he was basically too dangerous to to keep around. And so Lamus says, you know, I was head of the Berlin command for four years. If Munt had been one of our people, I would have known. I couldn't help knowing. And so, you know, he's still playing the sort of role of, yeah, I don't, this, this can't be true. You know, this isn't happening, you know, because he's supposed to be this sort of, uh, unwilling leaker about, uh, about. Month's role, and but you know, at this point, he's also just strongly in denial that this any of this could potentially be true. So it's these kind of like dual impulses within him. And so, um, this is interesting because you know, Felair is like, Okay, well, I want you to recite it, you know, all the incriminating stuff he told me and play along. So Lama says, You know, I've told you over and over again, I'm not a bloody performing seal. <laughs>
0: And I love dude. like um it's just a great character trait for him where he's like this is basically the you know could be the end for him. This is life and death. He he's at this like secret tribunal with the Presidium of the GDR and uh he's you still know, cracking jokes and and being obstinate. It's pretty great. Um, and, and there's a really interesting part where Fiedler basically explains that, you know, why was Carl Rymek always in these positions? Um to give away all this information uh, to Lamas and, and kind of be his, his key agent. And he basically makes the case. And this is another point, which was, you know, not something known to the reader until now that basically Munt kind of brought Carl along with him and was always sticking up for him, always promoting him, always making sure that he was always being given access to more and more confidential information, Uh, which, you know, if you kind of, Think back to the very beginning of the interrogation when Lamas is kind of telling uh, Fiedler about the information Carl was giving him, and Feeler kept being like, "How is this guy getting all this shit? Like yeah. he should." Yeah, be
1: Fiedler it. specifically points out like someone had to be helping Carl because there's no way that like this this yeah. secretary of the Presidium had all of this unless like yeah he was actually being aided by somebody because he basically explains yeah Remick and his mistress were shot because uh, Remick was starting to get. Uh, people were starting to get suspicious about him and uh, it was going to blow Munt's whole thing about being an English agent.
0: And and that his mistress was killed because Carl was telling his mistress all this stuff yeah. and uh, that Munt couldn't allow uh, a loose end like that out there around, running around.
1: So then uh, Fiedler is, you know, he's at the peak of his victory right now taking his revenge on Mont, And so he's like, there is your saboteur terrorist. There is the man who has sold the people's right. Um, he says, when you come to give your judgment to the Presidium, do not shrink from recognizing the full bestiality of this man's crime. For Hans Dieter Munt, death is a judgment of mercy. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he thinks he's totally beat his work rival. Um, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This guy's finished. Um,
2: it's the end of a special two-part episode of The Office. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, I finally got rid of this this Nazi fuck I work with, like, <laughs> finally we can get some good work done around here
0: so then we get to chapter 21 which is called The Witness um, and this is when Carden uh, kind of first enters uh, as, as a character physically <clears throat> and makes his opening statement uh, and basically says that either uh, Fiedler has fallen into a British chap um,
2: or he is actively working with them to destroy Munt which, which again that her- was always Oh, I was going to say for them is, I mean, there's really no difference in the end of what's going to happen to Fiedler if either are true. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So
1: they basically point out the plan where they go. We maintain that from the moment Lamus returned from Berlin to London, he lived apart, that he simulated a swift decline into degeneracy drunkenness and debt that he assaulted a tradesman in full public view and affected anti-American sentiment all solely in order to attract the attention of the obtolung. So he's like, yeah, we figured it out. He basically provoked uh, the obtolung's attention and then gave them a bunch of circumstantial evidence. And so this was his plan. And, you know, either Fiedler knows about that. It's all made up or he's falling for this trap, but either way it's all bullshit.
0: And not just falling for the trap, but falling for the trap because he's kind of a careerist and yeah. wants months job, which makes it kind of doubly bad where it's like, Oh, you're doing this out of personal ambition in, mm-hmm. in our great, uh, socialist state that, that, uh, that's not cool. We don't want strivers, uh, here. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and within that, when he's kind of going through and, and, and explaining that, uh, he talks about, or maybe, sorry, I, I don't think he's brought up the fact that they knew that Lamas went to Smiley's place yet. Right. I think that's right well, here. He says
1: that they went to Chelsea and that he went yeah. to, to Bywater Street, and he says that happens to be Smiley's house. And Lammas is like, "No, I was going to the Eight Bells. It's one of my favorite pubs." Yeah,
0: <laughs> but that—that's uh, when I think again as a reader, you're you're kind of shocked because you're like, "Okay, so what the fuck? How,
1: How do they was Lamas
0: followed, and he just totally got tricked?" And and I think like he, John LeCrae wrote this in such a way where. You should come to the conclusion that, like, no, like, Lamas is good enough. He yeah. wasn't followed. They found out he was there by some other means. Um, yeah. And
1: they basically, they're like, well, Munt figures that Lamas had to have somebody that he confided in, that there's no way that someone could maintain this double life alone. And so, on that note, we're <laughs> going to bring out our next witness. But first, we're going to ask him some questions. And you're like, oh, God, Liz, what's happening? And, um, no. So they ask him some questions. They're figuring out, um, you know, uh, when did you last see Smiley? Um, uh, like, what? how much money did you have? Like, uh, weren't you still owed money? Why didn't you go get it? Um, yeah. You know, basically proving that his assault of the grocer was preplanned because he was just like he knew he wasn't coming back. And then, you know, this is the part where my heart as a reader just like completely sinks is. Um, Lamus was sitting down as the door opened and a woman came in. She was large and ugly wearing a gray overall with chevrons on one sleeve. Behind her stood Liz. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, it's oh. just so good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. And again, like... You, you're as you're reading each chapter leading up, you're just like no, 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 and then she's here. It's like
1: Fuck. yeah, and then the opening of the next chapter is just like another punch because it's, she entered the court slowly, looking around her wide-eyed like a half-woken child entering a brightly lit room. Lamas had forgotten how young she was.
0: Yeah. Ugh. No,
1: Liz. No, Liz. <laughs> so we're at twenty-two. The president.
0: Yeah, so, and, and at this point, um, I don't think this is in my notes, but I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, this is how, as she's kind of taking her seat uh in the witness box or whatever, it's clear that Lamas has been freaking out and that they've had to kind of restrain him in yeah. the back. Yes, because um, it
1: switches to her perspective, and so yeah. Lamas is, he's screaming at this point, he says, you bastards, leave her alone. She turns and she sees that his face is covered in blood and that they're, they've basically, like, dropped him and they've yeah. they're holding him still and because she's petrified this is the very last thing he wanted he said don't involve <laughs> liz and now they've literally brought her to east Germany.
2: yeah i mean it's, yeah. it's the one thing he's like set asked for the entire time it's just don't involve liz and it's you know it's worth nightmares just come true
0: yeah this is the one thing we didn't want to happen
1: and um, she has no idea what's going on um she uh she hasn't uh, absolutely no clue. Uh, she's like, "Who's on trial here? Like, what's happening?" <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "Hey, if you just tell the truth, you can go home."
0: She's like this whole court is not out of order. reassuring at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the, and the great thing from the perspective of the month side is she knows nothing about this case. Yeah, so, I mean, so she she
1: shouldn't even try to help with this.
0: Yeah, and and there's this great, uh, and because it's from her perspective, there's all these great inner monologues where she's thinking like okay, what do I need to say to protect Lamas? Cause clearly he's in trouble here, but she has no idea if lying is yep. good
1: yeah, or bad. They, they think that Lamas did the same thing that Carl did, which was tell the mistress everything. Yep. But right. Liz was, the reader right, knows I that guess. Liz is completely kept in the dark. She has no idea what Lamas's job even was. She knows him as a basically like unemployed drifter who started working at the library. And, um, and then all of a sudden she's at a tribunal in East Germany and Lamus is there and he's getting beaten up by guards. And they're like, Hey, just tell the truth and you can go home. So she has no idea what she can say to help him. Meanwhile, they're like, yeah, she knows everything. So if we just ask her some questions, we'll figure out what's what.
0: Yeah. And and as, and as you start hearing the questions they're asking her, it becomes very obvious that she has been set up this whole time to arrive at this exact position Uh, not knowing anything other than the few key pieces of information they made sure that she knew, which um, obviously one of those things is the fact that George Smiley showed up at her house and talked to her, which again, if you think back to that scene, it seemed Mm -hmm. very bizarre that someone like George Smiley would leave a card for someone like Liz with his real
2: name and real address. Specifically
1: there to be incriminating and be asked about. I
2: mean it's like everything they ask about is specifically just to be fishy. Like wait, a charity came and gave you a thousand pounds to pay for your apartment and you didn't know who or ask but you assumed it was Lamas, but you knew he but you knew he was broke. So why did he have friends who were paying a thousand pounds? And then she's like, Oh yeah, the friends came and he gives this card and it's smiley. And like every, I mean, she doesn't know who smiley is, but everyone there obviously knows who smiley is. Um, and then you get Lamas who's like, what the fuck is happening? I I told them not to do this. Um,
1: Yeah, he's like, why did they – he asked them to take care of her, not to be like, hello, we're his mysterious friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: but but also very, very importantly, he told them, take care of her, but don't do anything until this is over. Yes. Because he he never intended to go back and see her, but he was like, if you start – if you take care of her now by giving her money or helping her – they will find out about it and use that against her, which is exactly yeah. what happened. So yep. he, yes, because right they gave her a like,
1: thousand pounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, which again is like a fuck ton of money. Then, and uh, he, at this point, he's still pissed. Like he, he's thinking, like smiling. Control, you fucked this up. Um, yeah, he's, he again, says, "What were
1: they trying to do? Kill Fiendler, yeah. Kill their agent? Sabotage their own operation?" Then he's like, uh, he remembers that control um has been hinting that smiley's you know smiley's about to quit smiley's you know he's tired of working which the reader knows it's usually not true.
2: Yeah and, um,
1: was it just smiley had his wretched little conscience driven him to this
2: <laughs>
0: yeah and, and, and that, but you, but you I, know
1: he doesn't know smiley very well because smiley rarely acts from conscience he, he acts you know from logic
0: right and and, and also I think there's the, you know, when I kind of talked about in the first episode, I think there's always been this subconscious part of Lamas that understood this whole time that
2: oh, yeah, there
0: was something wrong with this. There's the something, finishing. yeah. I mean, he and should then,
1: have known something was wrong the first time he went to Smiley's house and control was weak. Yeah,
2: I mean, he obviously knew something was wrong because otherwise, why would he so vociferously like be don't involve Liz? Because, like, yeah, if he yeah. Thought, like, thought everything was on the up and up you know, he just knows they're always doing something. I
1: you know? think his 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 flaw in the end is that he um he trusts his higher-ups, basically. Yeah. Like, he knows that they're gonna do bad things, but he basically, or, you know, things that he ne- won't necessarily agree with, but he trusts that it won't blow back on him.
2: Yeah, they're not gonna do bad things to him.
1: Yeah, and he's like, you know, they'll, they'll take care of me, they'll send me out for the rest of my life if I just do this one job, and so, you know, they're gonna do some things that I don't know about and that I don't necessarily agree with, but you know, I told him to stay away from Liz and they're going to keep off of me when I get home and, you know, things will be OK if I just ride it out. And so he has this sort of base level of trust where he's like, yeah, these guys are fuckers, but they're going to keep their word about this.
0: And I think, uh, you know, in my mind, too, and, and this is something else I, I drew out a little bit in the first episode, but but I've always had this theory about Lamas that, um, again, how much of this was totally in the forefront of his mind and how much was just kind of maybe part of the, the makeup of his subconscious is that this has almost been a long drawn out suicide this entire time. And that mm-hmm. he was always smart enough to kind of catch on to some of the things in this operation that were, you know, potentially going to screw it up or seemed fishy and that he was a, he kind of moved through it for a mixture of like what you just discussed Emma about, like, you know, he kind of trusts people at the top. Uh, but also maybe being like, you know what, but if that doesn't turn out to be the case and this is the end for me, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Cause you,
1: see, I mean, he feels like he's totally done after what happened with yeah. Carl. Like his, he said that, yeah. you know, mine has destroyed all his networks and this was basically one final job, you know, I'm going to get mine or I'm going to fail.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm either going to get my revenge or I'm going to die and, uh, yeah. get rich or die trying. Yeah. <laughs> He was the original 50 cent. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So then they, it, they, he says, you know, he was so sure he hadn't been followed the Smiley's and, um, you know, how did they know all this information? And then bewildered, angry, angry, and bitterly ashamed. He walked slowly up the gangway stiffly, like a man going to the scaffold. So, you know, we, we had this moment of victory where like, yeah, you know, Feeler has totally gotten the upper hand. We're gonna get rid of this this Nazi prick and you know the relatively like good normal guy, um, Lamus's counterpart basically and yeah. Eastern Intelligence is gonna get, you know, a promotion and, you know, yeah. he's possibly with British intelligence. And you know, we can we can yeah. figure this out. And um <laughs> then all of a sudden Munt is just with this, you know, casual brutality with his lawyer is just like, yeah, we brought Liz and uh yeah, things are totally fucked now.
2: You yeah. can never trust a fucking lawyer. I mean, that's the <laughs> that's the key. Yeah, There's one thing we know that we all agree on
0: is that lawyers are <laughs> backwards.
1: Yeah, A L A B. Am I right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah that's right. You yeah, know, and then we get life. to uh, to what the Lamas does like the the last thing to try to save Liz and just spills spills everything. Right. Yeah, yeah chapter twenty
1: three confession.
2: I mean, and yes. Fiedler, he tries to to say Fiedler, too. He's like, no, Fiedler yeah. had nothing to do with this. Liz had nothing to do with this. It's all me. Put a bullet in my head. Just, you know, let them go. They're both fine.
1: Yeah, there's this very sad, wistful moment where Fiedler uh, looks at Liz and it says that he smiled very slightly as if in recognition of her race. And so he kind of, he, you know, he looks at Liz and he's like, yeah, we're, we're both Jewish people are in this horrible situation. And so, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to try and help you out. So then Fiedler says, you know, she knows nothing. Let's, you know, let's keep her out of this. This is this is between Feeler, Mont and Lemus right now.
2: And no one really, I mean, apart no one really has the full story. At least we think no one has the full story. Because like yeah. Lamas and Fiedler, like, why did they pay the lease? Like they know who paid the lease, but they're like, why would they do that? It doesn't like they're they should be too good for like even as bad. Yeah, it like, like how this can is the inf- floppy. This is like really sloppy and then uh he he's you know he asked money's like how how can you know this like this just there's there's no way you could know this um because she didn't tell anyone
1: yeah so then so then lamus says uh, he starts and uh just confessing he's you know he says here's everyone i met here's what we had you know we had this idea that we were going to trap mine what would it look like if he were our agent here's what we would do we would set this up with banks we wouldn't, you know, and then I played a role of, you know, an alcoholic going to pieces. Um, Just just send Liz home like there's some weird things I can't figure out. He says, uh, that's what I can't make out why they paid off the bills, the girl and all that. It must have been Smiley wrecking the operation on purpose. It must have been. He must have had a crisis of conscience, thought it was wrong to kill or something.
0: And that's when you know that Lamas didn't really know. Uh, smiley that well
1: yeah that's where you know he doesn't know yeah. Smiley really that well because smiley doesn't allow conscience to yeah. mess with operations and, and so yeah, exactly.
2: smiley and he never, never from him. That yeah
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah and the, the, the scene that i like fiedler is just such a great character for so many reasons but but the scene where um it kind of flashes to fiedler he's very calm he knows he's lost at this point and he's just kind of sitting there looking down and has like a wry smile on his face. And I think uh, it's very understandable what's going through his head at that point, which is kind of this like uh, dark humor of acceptance. Like I've been beat and I figure out oh, what the fuck is going on here. And yeah, I didn't I
1: mean to he, he just wants to know how, how yeah. he got beaten. Like he knows he's been beaten. He knows he's probably going to die. He knows that a man who specifically hates jewish people is going to yeah. um you know get him killed and that it's probably going to be horrible and that um at this point he's like okay i just want to know like how did i get beat cuz he's like how does um how did you know smiley get the money to the girl like girl yeah. uh, like why did he do that and then also um how did Munt Know about the money paid to the girl? Yeah, Liz didn't tell anybody. Like, because yeah, we that's get the, one the you know that Liz is totally alone.
2: Yeah, and it's the one question, and then Mont gives like the, the just really unconvincing answer Is like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, we we saw her monthly dues were increased, and I know He noticed, said her,
1: her I, monthly dues to the party were increased by ten shillings a month, and so he's <laughs> like, yeah, I know something was fishy, and um, feel like. like yeah, that's a, he's a, a masterly explanation.
2: Like, going oh, to say, and then Lamas like he has like you know the epiphany of what everything what ha- actually happened.
1: Yes, and we don't is, know yet. This is where here we go. Penny drops.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and well and it's funny because the moment the penny drops is that uh, in the book it kind of describes how when Fiedler asks Munt that question, like, "How did you know that she got her uh, her lease paid off?" He pauses for a second, and in that moment, like Lamas notices that, and you automatic, like, right in that moment, you are like, "Fuck, he doesn't know. He, he he actually didn't. He didn't think of didn't this. Didn't
1: realize it yet. Yeah, yeah. I have it, it highlighted. <laughs> just that one. Mont hesitated. Yeah." yeah. 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 And then, so and good. suddenly with the terrible clarity of a man too long deceived, Lamus understood the whole ghastly trick. So here we are. Um, my, yeah. Chapter
0: 24. <laughs> commissar. Chapter
1: 24. So
0: this is another Liz chapter. And uh, she has now been kind of taken away, whisked off to a different part of the prison. And she's talking to the commissar of the prison. And finds out that this is basically a prison for spies, agents, counter-revolutionaries um and and the commissar calls Fiedler Jew and kind of references him in uh using that word so uh and obviously she much. doesn't
2: know Liz is a Jew or just doesn't yeah. care. i, I yeah, tend yeah. to think she doesn't know um yeah, i think she I
1: doesn't it. know um i think it's supposed to be an example of like the yeah, others just Nazis crawling all over the place
2: yeah. yeah i mean i think it's like oh it's commissar which is supposed to be communist atheist you know accepting of all religions or not all religions, but of anyone they're supposed to ignore. Yeah. And then she's a Nazi. Like you could have easily, this could have been happened 20 years earlier and you could call this chapter like start Denton or something. And yeah. It exactly. Worked exactly the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's clear that the, this person is, you know, only in service of of like wielding power over others and not, you know, she's, she's not a communist at heart. She just enjoys power and authority.
0: Yeah. And uh, she she makes some really horrific comments too about the inability uh, for Jews to actually exist within or outside the party, which is which is a very common, you know, anti-Semitic trope too. Which is basically like they can't be in they're wreckers if they're in the party they're wreckers and they want to take it over, and if they're outside the party they're not happy either. And it's like yeah, it's pretty yeah,
1: it's it's basically Nazi logic trying to grapple with the fact that she is now a communist like this woman. Mm -hmm. And so she's still got the whole thing where she's like, ah, Judeo-Bolshevism. And then she's also like, wait, I'm a Bolshevist now. (laughs) The real problem is that they wreck the party.
2: Yeah, Yeah, but we're we're Lutherano-Bolshevists. You know, (laughs) it's totally different.
1: So then horrible... Horrible inner monologue from Liz where she's, you know, she's running over what happened in the courtroom. She doesn't understand what's going on. The reader is still a little confused at this point. Yeah. Lamus knows what's happening. The reader is still like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I yeah. get it. I think I get it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and honestly, the first time I read it, it took me a couple. Yeah. It took me a little, me a little while to get it. It's a very intricate plot. But, yeah. um, you know, Liz is like, what? what could I have said differently? because it seems like things are going very poorly right now.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, and she's like, she feels comforted that Lamas and Fiedler seem united and that they're on the yeah. same side because she's like, you know, these guys are like S tier uh, spies, like, or whatever they are. Like they're going to, yeah. they're going to figure it out.
0: Yeah, and then uh, she basically, you know, she's she's having this uh, inner monologue and trying to figure all this out in her head. She basically kept in a cell and told that um, she might be needed for Fiedler's trial later on. So she's like, well, fuck, I'm not going anywhere. Then, all of a sudden, her cell door opens and Munt is there and basically rushes her outside, brings her outside into the cold, into a car, and Lamas is standing there waiting by the car. She,
1: yeah, she thinks she's about to be killed because she remembers yeah. Lima saying that Munt knows what to do with Jews. Yeah. So she thinks she's about to be killed. Um, but then she notices that Munt is like stopping and looking for other people and making yeah. sure that they're totally alone. And um, so it's clear that he's engaging on this, like on his own uh, initiative and that others are not involved. And then she says it was almost as if he was treating her as an accomplice
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: so Munt drops her off by the car yeah and and uh, there's
0: a a good line well bad line but interesting line where Munt basically calls Lamas a fool for basically because obviously it's clear that Lamas was like Munt you motherfucker I I, you better get Liz out of here and bring her to me so I can let her help her escape because otherwise she's she's dead because once they find out that I've escaped she's fucking dead Um, and Munt is like, she's trash, just like Fiedler, which is like kind of a perfect capper to his, his story.
1: So he turned without another word and walked quickly away into the twilight. So Lamus is like, shut up, get in the car. He starts driving really fast. Um, she's like, you and Munt are enemies, aren't you? She doesn't know whether he's collaborating with Munt. Like he's made some deal with the East Germans. Like what's going on? And, um. So then finally Lamus explains it to the reader, the poor reader. He goes yeah. All right, Lamus shouted suddenly. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you are never never to know, neither you nor I. Listen, Munt is London's man. Their agent. They bought him when he was in England. We are witnessing the lousy end to a filthy, lousy operation to save Munt's skin. To save him from a clever little Jew in his own department who had begun to suspect the truth. They made us kill him, do you see? Kill the Jew. Now you know, and God help us both. So here it is for the reader. The entire plot that they were conspiring uh, with Lamus for was a, basically a, I don't even know what you would call this, a um, double. Uh, yeah,
0: I guess a double cross. Finger. Finger. It,
1: was, <laughs> it was specifically constructed by Smiley and Control and Peter Gillum to uh, get Lamas to unknowingly play the perfect role. Uh, to lead Fiendler into this trap because Fiendler had started to suspect on his own initiative that Munt was an agent of England. And uh, so Munt was actually an agent of England. And um, so they leak enough like manufactured evidence and stuff that Munt can conclusively disprove it in front of a trial. So he's fully rehabilitated um, and fully free of suspicion in the eyes of East German, his position is now more powerful and, um, less uh, out of the picture. unstable. Like he's now completely untouchable. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fiedler, the guy who could have blown the whistle on all of this is going to die. And so, um, you know, it's like, he says, it's a filthy, lousy operation. They tricked Lamas. They made Liz get involved. Um, Fiedler is going to die. Our nice friend Fiedler, um, probably quite horribly, and um, this awful Nazi is turned out to uh, just be an agent of England, just purely out of like pecuniary motives, and um, you know, you just feel completely disgusted and horrified by this because you're and, a lot. Yeah, you're, are-
2: you're like, you know, the whole thing is what it's 1962. You think the West and British are supposed to be the good guys, and they're, they're the ones better than that. <laughs> yeah, they're protecting the. Concentration camp guard Nazi who's who, uh, and who having killed a,
1: English people too, yeah,
2: killed English people and is having a Jew executed to protect himself.
1: And all this yeah. time, they've been letting Mont kill, uh, agents yeah. to mm-hmm. uh,
2: kill their
0: own agents to stay alive, yeah. or kill their invade, own agents you know. to
1: stay alive. So, you know, okay. we find out that England has allowed all of this to happen so that they can preserve Mont's position.
0: And it's important to note, too, it's kind of hard, you know, when you're reading this book sometimes to, k- to kind of place it in history. But, you know, this is in the shadow of World War Two, like all, all yep. a, a, the whole situation in Europe right now is all still completely um, on the backside of World War Two. And so this was the enemy. This is was like the whole reason that everyone entered you know, the supposedly one truly just
2: war in the, in the history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah.
1: No, it's completely corner. horrifying to the, to the reader too. The, and the, um, if This
2: is, you know, this is 1962. The yeah. end of world war two was closer than nine 11 is to us now. Like it's that yeah. it's, it's fresh. Right. It's not, you know, <laughs> great point. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that's uh and it, it, there's an uh, there's a line there that's great, which is now, you know, and God help us both from Lamas. And, and I think there's that admission that like, you know we are we are on the side of evil here really
1: yeah like they're changed forever by this knowledge you know yeah. god help us we've both been complicit in this 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 horrible yeah. operation like this dirty trick that was played
2: yeah and let's just i mean it doesn't matter at this point let's just we need to get out like that's that's all that matters yeah. right.
1: so all he's right. focus on is getting out because he's still hanging on to this promise that they will extract him at the end so um, they're driving on, uh, we get to chapter 25, the wall.
0: Yeah. And this is maybe, this is maybe this might be my favorite chapter in a lot of ways. Cause yeah. there's mm-hmm. so many there's back and forth between Lamas and, and Liz is still so great. Yeah, And, and there's
2: where,
1: so many good Well, Lemas basically, he, he, or, uh, Lemus, he basically lays <laughs> out my explanation in detail where he's like, um, Fiedler suspected Mont ever since Mont came back from England because he was like, how did he get, how did he escape? You know, yeah. Mont um, was London's man. Fiedler was too powerful for Mont to eliminate alone. So London decided to do it for him. And uh, so they knew it was no good just eliminating Fiedler. He might've told friends or published accusations. They had to eliminate suspicion, public rehabilitation. That's what they organized for Mont. Because he's totally beyond suspicion now. They have, yeah, they've looked at like every piece of evidence, and they were like, "Yeah, it was all made up. It was completely yeah. made up by Lamus and British intelligence." So actually, you're totally free to go, Mike. And you know, we're gonna kill everyone who's involved in this.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the and it's the the same twist. I think that's what's kind of brill- was really brilliant about the book and John Le Carre is that the twist that convinces the german intelligence is also the twist that was played on the reader of like yeah we convince you you, we convince you it's month then we tell you oh no it was fake that's we're just trying to trap month and it's like oh no we were actually telling basically everything was true everything we were saying was true but it was just to make them think it wasn't true which
1: yeah uh, and they played this trick on lameness where they're like yeah yeah. we made up all these documents (laughs) isn't that crazy and so every yeah. time it got substantiated throughout the book where, you know, they're writing to the banks and stuff and, they're, you know, they're confirming that Munt was in the area. That's, you know, a, another like um, sort of hacking away at this sort of this lie, basically.
0: So there's this great uh, quote here um, where Liz is now speaking to Lamas. It makes you the same, the same as Munt and all the rest. I should know. I was the one who was kicked about, wasn't I? by them, by you, because you don't care. Only Fiedler didn't. But the rest of you, you all treated me as if I was nothing, just currency to pay, play with. You're all the same, Alec. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Lamaze's response is like, oh, Liz, he said desperately, for God's sake, believe me, I hate it. I hate it all. I'm tired. But it's the world. It's mankind that's gone mad. We're a tiny price to pay. But everywhere is the same. People cheated and misled, whole lives thrown away, people shot and prison groups and classes of men written off for nothing and you your party god knows it was built on the bodies of ordinary people you've never seen men die as i have liz uh and i just love that back and forth because i think they're really getting to the heart of the whole reason that yeah wanted
1: to write these books. yeah and especially um you know liz uh you really feel for her as a reader because she wants to know how much of this was planned she was like are you uh were you in on this were you were did they know that we would fall in love like um how was any of this real or and he's like look they knew i would work in the library with someone who's young and pretty and all they would have to do was like oh they ate lunch together one day and they would make up an affair like he's, right. he assures her that you know what they had was real that they would have made up this whole thing about her being his lover right. regardless yeah. Yeah. and um and so she's like how can you how could british intelligence sacrifice fiendler and he kind of reflexively falls back on this sort of defensive like well your party kills people all the time yeah like <laughs> you know communism kills you know this many million people and it's uh, real drug
2: addict. communismkills.com
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like well what about communism right and uh <laughs> and she's like but fiedler is going to die because of what we actually did and um and she's you know, she's like, Is this because he's Jewish? Like you you just you think Jewish people don't count? And he's like, Oh, for God's sake, um, yeah. you know, he's kind of a dick. And uh
0: Yeah. But she's asking good questions. Like she's asking like yeah.
1: legitimate questions,
0: but uh he, he's just trying to say, like, no, you, like you're not quite getting what how I'm seeing this, which yeah, is like he thought it was an it oper-
1: Yeah, he says it was an operational convenience and he's like, No, it's it wasn't about like who we were it was just that yeah. we were convenient like they tool. would have found
2: someone like it didn't matter um yeah he said just- we
1: happened to fit the mold
2: yeah yeah exactly
1: they used us they cheated us both because it was necessary
2: i the one one i think this chapter is also the, the part of it is probably one of my favorite parts of the book of just the description of him driving through the streets to get to the wall mm-hmm. and like the you know quick turns but like describing like these narrow alleyways and just, I, I can, it's really vivid and how I'm able to picture it in my head of him yeah. driving up to this wall. without yeah, just a
1: night drive. Yeah. Fast.
2: Yeah. And so, so what ends up happening
0: is they, they, they're having this conversation and then he sees a man on the side of the road with a flashlight. uh they He pulls over, obviously he's been told to look out for this guy. They pick up this guy. Uh, it's a German guy and he's directing them through the city streets uh, in Berlin Um, to a specific point in the wall and they're going to get to this point in the wall. There's going to be a searchlight in the area that's going to shine a specific spot on the wall for like half a second and then move away. And that's the point in the wall where you and Liz are going to climb over and the the barbed wire basically is going to be cut. So you're going to climb up first and you're going to pull Liz over with you. Um, And there's going to be people on the other side waiting to get you out of there.
2: Yeah, so Um, they... They do this driving they get they get to the point where this guy is like told him to go and they get out and lamas is like okay you stay here like don't you're not leaving me behind and then of course the second they get out of the car he's like i'm getting the fuck out of here i'm not yeah. like why would he stay there <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like
0: these people are obviously like they're doing this probably out of loyalty to someone who's yeah. loyal to mine. But they're like, "Fuck! This seems really bad. I do not want to. <laughs> I don't want to be this. here. I'm piecing yeah. the yeah, fuck so out." The
1: guy, yeah. yeah, the guy immediately drives away, and um, Liz, Liz just has no clue. And um, so we get to the final chapter: "In from the Cold."
0: Bum, bum. The, final of the book. Yes, that's. Hey, I whisper to my wife, "This is in from the cold." That's, in from the, cold. <laughs> um, that's the spy uh, coming
2: in from the cold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh so they start climbing the wall and uh uh he goes up first and it turns out there's been like some like uh pegs kind of inserted into yeah. the
2: wall so he can actually climb up so and it's all told obviously them, they busy. told them you'd have like 90 seconds like nothing will happen yeah you'll yeah, get and 90 there's just seconds been, like
1: wrongs in a ladder for them to climb yeah
2: and obviously
0: if you think about it right like if you can just get up to the top of the ladder even if like they find out you just jump down you're on it, the good side yeah there, you're on the western
1: side We know that from the first chapter where uh, he was waiting for Carl and he's like, if Carl just makes it
2: through the checkpoint... They won't shoot into West Germany.
1: Yeah, they don't shoot into West Germany. They only shoot into East Germany. And so he's like, if we just get over the wall, we'll be fine. So you have this very tense segment where uh, he's climbing the wall and uh, they've been told that the lights won't go on. You know, They have this very narrow window of time. So he's climbing the wall and Suddenly, the whole world seemed to break in the flame from everywhere, from above and beside them. Massive lights converged, bursting upon them with savage accuracy. And then the sirens come on. um, And orders are frantically shouted. And this is, I just find this incredibly heartbreaking. Um, Mm -hmm. They're on the wall. And then. Yeah. Then they fired single rounds, three or four, and he felt her shudder. Her slen, her thin arm slipped from his hands. And um, so then he hears English telling him to jump, and he hears Smiley. Yeah. Um, the girl? Smiley has Smiley's shown up and Smiley saying, you know, where's the girl? Just the final, the final two paragraphs are just. Yeah, I think I'll just read them her. because. Yeah, read
0: them. yeah, they're great. They're so good
1: shielding his eyes he looked down at the foot of the wall and at last he managed to see her lying still for a moment he hesitated then quite slowly he climbed back down the same rungs until he was standing beside her she was dead her face was turned away her black hair drawn across her cheek as if to protect her from the rain they seemed to hesitate before firing again someone shouted an order and still no one fired finally they shot him two or three shots he stood glaring round him like a blinded bull in the arena. As he fell, Lima saw a small car smash between great lorries and the children waving cheerfully through the window.
0: Just gutting. Such a great uh I don't know. I think I think the reason why we started this you know, you could argue that the reason why we started this podcast with this book is is even just this last chapter. Um, yeah. it, it's, no, so it's incredible.
1: Perfect.
2: And this it, is like it's so well written. It's the Mirror of the beginning um, of Ryback getting shot. Um,
1: No, it's just a perfect book into that um, to that beginning, and there's the callback to you know this sort of the idea of unforeseen consequences of you know like his inattention or just a weird mm -hmm. happenstance on the road, and you know a car crash could have happened, and then he's uh, in this vision that he has at the end, he sees the car crushed, so you know this is something new where it's like yeah. here is a direct consequence of what's happened. And the kids are waving cheerfully. I don't know. It made me cry the first time I read it. Oh, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's really like, it's
2: really heartbreaking. It's
1: the fact yeah. that he climbed. Yeah. He is smiley is like, yeah, just where they're like You're telling him to jump it. over. I mean,
2: would have survived. Like there's, yeah. you know, she gets shot and, you know, it's not clear. It's like, did they
1: It's not quite it? clear whether they've planned for Liz to die, die. or not? Yeah yeah um, because smiley or, says where's the girl which is ambiguous you know yes. does he want her to make it over or not because liz is a loose end um and then lemus makes the, the choice to just climb back down into east germany and basically stands there until they shoot like him. Wait,
2: we're, i mean it's like oh they hesitate like they're are they not supposed to shoot him and then yeah but they're telling them to and
1: but he's an attempted attempted defector from East Germany. Yeah. So they decide to just go through with it.
0: And, and there's that, you know, the weighing up that I was talking about before all kind of comes to, comes to a head here where it's like, you know, he is the individual in mm-hmm. the two great powers, uh, yep. the players that are kind of above it all, moving the chess pieces around. He's used to being on that, side of things which is like i'm directing the pawns and i'm moving the pieces and now he's the piece and that that um thought that he had or that moment he had uh earlier with the family and and the almost car crash is kind of brought into his life and now he is he is the dad in the car now um, yeah effectively
1: just a helpless like observer of events and so he's yeah. he gives up um yeah
0: And that's where, like, you know, again, like, I think there is an interesting way to read this, which is like, this is basically a book length, um, very complicated suicide. And and this ultimately is like the final step of that. Because you you do think if if you played it out, like if he did get down, do you think he would have like gone on and lived a happy, fulfilling life? He probably would have drunk himself to death within like a month.
1: No, he was Um, never going to get out of it
2: like there was no good ending for
1: him and it always seems even to the reader like even when you think he's gonna pull it off it always seems a bit like a sort of impossible dream that his life would ever return to normal especially when you find out that he has been burned as a spy and everything like he'd have if he did make it back to england he'd have to like change his name and you know go into hiding basically so,
0: so you know we're we're basically we're done uh we finished a book which is great <laughs> um i think uh you know something we should I thought
2: be- farther than i thought we'd get
0: <laughs> yeah. uh just like uh, a
1: haunting ending
0: yeah yes. it's really it's perfect i don't know it's perfect it's maybe my favorite it might be my favorite book like ending
2: of the ending of yeah the ending is yeah
0: um so I think what we should probably do when we wrap these up is give it a rating because you know not all of his books are going to be as good uh but but all start will take the pressure off and I will and, and I'll say that this one is for me this is a 10 out of 10 book for me um this is this is the I don't think the first book uh, I read but it's um still stands out to me as maybe the best maybe my favorite single book um potentially in in anything that I've read uh, from John LeCarré. So, so I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10 max. What do you give it?
2: I guess. So I think I have to give it a 10 out of 10. It's my second favorite John LeCarré book. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is my favorite. Um, I mean, it's hard to like rank any, but it is, it was the first book I read. And I mean, there's so many I love, but I think I just really love Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. But, I think this is like his tightest plotted book, like just the, the story sure, yeah. and the way everything fits together is just incredible. I mean, I think there's a reason we picked it as the first book. Cause there's, yeah. I think going to be plenty of, at least for me, there are just, I mean, books, I haven't read them dreading and <laughs> <hint, laughs> yeah. naive and sentimental lover, but kind of like want really want to read because I think yeah. just, and then just like there are, there's some of them, really new carry books that i just really hated um that yeah. we're gonna read which will be fun for content but you know but like i i read really the it so yeah emma what do you think
1: um i would give it a 10 out of 10 i think it's a perfect novel i i just the first time i read it i was blown away that in just about a little bit over 200 pages he's delivered just this incredibly intricate plot um these mm-hmm. vividly drawn characters. Um, all of these philosophical and moral questions are raised and um yeah. a few are answered in ways that are very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um and probably and lots
0: aren't easy. answered, which is just as interesting. And lots aren't
1: answered. Like this is the kind of book that you keep thinking about for a while. And I think it was something very brave to publish at the time too mm-hmm. uh to publish it during the Cold War. Um where you're you know, just a sort of unflinching uh, look at uh, intelligence work that you know is quite lacking, and, and it it lacks in pity for the for the uh, people orchestrating operations, and it is full of uh, pity and nuance for the people who are basically the uh, consequences of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also do you know, each time I read it. I pick up new things. It's like perfectly foreshadowed as a, as a sort of mystery novel or courtroom drama kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the twist is still shocking each time. And mm-hmm. I guess I really struggle to pick a favorite John Le Carre book. I really love the looking glass war. Um, mm-hmm. which I feel the looking glass war is a um, perfect counterpart to this book because the looking glass war is about an operation that goes horribly wrong, basically, right, yeah. um, by a bunch <laughs> of like incompetent spies. And yeah. so sort of the tragedy that results from people getting completely over their skis and in intelligence. Whereas, uh the spy this is arguably called, a perfectly, yeah, a perfectly one. done operation because <laughs> um,
2: horrible.
1: it went off perfectly. No, that's what's yeah. so horrifying about it is yeah. that um, Lemus and Liz dying is arguably a neater ending for, uh, the circus because yeah. now there are no loosens. And, yeah. um uh, so that's, uh, you know, sort of a horrifying realization for the reader. Uh, yeah, and it's
0: there's off. a, there's a, so, loose side, you know, the, the, the kind of, um, the kind of both sidesism that we all hate that happens in the media with like left and right and, and on the issue, on you know serious issues.
1: But it's I love really... when Terry does it.
0: Well, yeah, but that's the thing is like I think there is a both sides when you talk about things like war and intelligence and spies. That is true.
2: But I think which is he... like he kind of does yeah. an opposite. Both sides of both sides are bad. <laughs> like both sides are well, yeah, bad, exactly. bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Like
1: bad. we have to hear both sides. he's <laughs> yeah. like here's how I'm gonna lay out why both sides are bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But you know, like people in the media will say, you know, like they'll do fish out of sure. stuff, right? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like Yeah, the extremes on either side is bad, yeah. and they're equally yeah. bad, and that gets really frustrating. As you know, someone on the left who, who oh, thinks there's totally, a moral totally. Thing. but this is one of those times when like. Yeah, when there are wars and when people are dying because of these, uh, you know, large conflicts, both sides are bad.
1: Yeah, no, Um, you're horrified almost equally by um, Mont's actions and Smiley's actions. mm
2: -hmm.
0: But then interestingly, kind of the one character who kind of comes out totally clean is Fiedler, right? Like in a weird way.
1: No, because Fiedler uh, was just a, you know, uh, lunch pail, nine to five, spy, (laughs) doing his job. (laughs) Believed yeah. in communism, and yeah. he is basically just tossed on this sort of uh, r- refuse heap of yeah. uh, of intelligence work uh, yeah. just as a tool, basically.
0: We'll end it there, but uh, the next book we're going to be doing is The Tailor of Panama. Um, book, obviously, we're going to be covering. Uh, there is a movie, so if you're too lazy to read the book, you could always skip and do the movie. We'll probably, we'll probably do the
2: be... movie at some point, too.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so stay tuned for that. And there is actually a movie of the spy who came in from the cold, mm-hmm. which we'll definitely do at some point, but uh, that's our next book, the Tailor of Panama, get it uh, where all good books are sold.
1: And, I promise um, the Taylor of Panama is funnier.
0: It is. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A funnier book, a bit of a, a bit of a light break here, um, but still interesting and good. So we will leave it there. Thanks everyone for getting through the first book with us. And we look forward to joining you for the Taylor of Panama. Bye.
2: Bye.
1: Bye.